for anybody that's in a safety sensitive role where they're maybe operating some piece of equipment that could hurt other people, they're unable to successfully operate it, that becomes even more important. If a person who's an executive is sitting in an office and they doze off, maybe not as much damage could occur as say someone operating a, a fuel tanker truck or a school bus. Um, you know, the, the emphasis, particularly in areas where safety sensitive jobs exist, is needed because it's so vital. Hello and welcome to the Solving Healthcare podcast. This is Mike Andrade and our guest today is Mr. Stephen Garish from Sleep Safe Drivers. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me. Oh, my pleasure. So, Stephen, as you know, our podcast, Solving Healthcare, our mission is to find and promote innovative companies in the healthcare space that are positively disrupting the industry. I'm looking forward to sharing your story today, but before we do that, I just want to read a little bit about you and how you got to SleepSafe. Is that all right? Sounds great. Cool. Well, Stephen is a 22-year veteran of the transportation and logistics industry, graduated from Georgia Southern University in 1996 with a degree in logistics and intermodal transportation, and later earned his MBA from John Brown University in 2013 with an emphasis in leadership and ethics. He is a board member of the American Trucking Association Safety Management Council, the National Private Truck Council's Board of Governors, a North American Transportation Management Institute Certified Director of Safety, as well as an NPTC Certified Transportation Professional. That is a lot of acronyms. So, <laughs> in addition to that, his work experience includes 15 years with J.B. Hunt, when she held a variety of roles in human resource operations and safety. He also spent five years at the corporate offices in Bentonville, Arkansas with Walmart, where he led safety efforts for the Walmart private fleet, which comprised of more than 8,000 professionals. In addition, Steve is a Georgian native, veteran of the U.S. Army, enjoys supporting volunteer and outdoor activities with his family. They currently reside in Lee Summit, Missouri. Stephen, that was a mouthful. Welcome to the show and thank you for participating. Thank you for having me, Michael. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so tell me, what is SleepSafe and why did you guys get started? Yeah, so SleepSafe uh, is a great company. We, we basically help fleets with fatigue management. We started back in 2007, really as a need that we had heard, our founder actually heard from the industry that, you know, hey, there's a huge number of drivers being referred for sleep apnea testing and you know is there a better way to do it the the efficiency inefficiencies actually that come from typical insurance methods you know really complicate matters for people who are not home every day i mean you or i can easily set up appointments and keep them but for drivers not only is their career dependent on being medically fit for duty but also their ability to just schedule multiple appointments is really inhibited in what they do so we were really born out of a necessity, and some of the very earliest work we did was with uh, one of our large clients, J.B. Hunt, in piloting work in that space, and, and the pilot was very successful, and we began to kind of grow the model, and today we serve many companies throughout the U.S. of varying sizes and uh, really expediting the way we take care of drivers by directly handling uh, testing, treatment, and compliance and doing it all in a way that's very cost-effective and non-intrusive on, on their work schedule. Well, definitely a lot to cover in that response and uh, understanding that there's probably three or four areas 
that I want to make sure we spend some time on during the, the talk today. But I want to start out with sleep apnea. What is that and why is it so important to have a fatigue management program? Yeah, absolutely. So really sleep apnea is a condition that affects a lot of people. Over 20 million people nationwide uh, have the condition. Curiously, for transportation fleets, there is no more at-risk population of people who are affected by the condition than people who are in transportation. Yeah, I think it has to do with the lifestyle that they unfortunately spend a lot of time on the road behind the wheel, sedentary, not always getting the right kind of foods, not always getting the right opportunities to exercise. And so therefore, it affects their overall weight. BMI is a huge indicator of sleep apnea. And what sleep apnea is specifically is when you uh, sleep at night and lay down, oftentimes in the obstructive sleep apnea case, you'll have the weight of your, your body mass actually kind of bear down on your airway at night. And it will either shorten your breath or even cut it off uh, several times during the night. And of course, our body has a good way of protecting itself. And so when the body feels that that oxygen level is dropping, it will inject adrenaline into the body, raise your blood pressure in order to wake you up just enough to uh, take a quick breath and go back to sleep. Sometimes that sounds like snoring or gasping or snorting at night. And uh, when a person does this, and it can be hundreds of times in one sleep, it takes a toll on the body. Uh, People who have the condition often say that before they knew about it, they would often wake up tired and and worn out. And then after having, uh, you, you know, the ability to treat the condition, had a lot of great outcomes, including just feeling better and more rested. Yeah, so Stephen, let's talk a little bit about that because uh, I've heard, uh, I don't know if you know a guy named Al Lewis, but I've heard, uh, yeah. he stated this initially, but I've heard him say that sleep is the new broccoli for wellness programs. And I, I suspect that you would argue that, that it's more vital than that for overall performance, but why is sleep so important? Yes, and I would think that really there are three key elements to to wellness. Um, I believe you have to look at diet, uh, you have to look at exercise, and you have to look at sleep. There's sort of the three pillars, I believe, of good health and wellness for individuals, regardless of vocation. And sleep is so important because you think about the amount of time that you spend to sleep each day. You know, if you're lucky, you get an eight-hour night's sleep, sometimes less. But that's the body's way of restoring the functionality of all the things that work in our life. And without sleep, in very short order, you know, the mental abilities begin to break down and your body's functions begin to uh, suffer as well. And oftentimes people, for example, with sleep apnea that's untreated, there are all sorts of medical conditions that often emanate from that. I mean, normally you'll see cardiovascular disease, diabetes. You'll see, of course, the obesity, which leads to hypertension, stroke, asthma. There's a lot of outcomes that I think often show up, for example, on a DOT physical that are all factors for untreated sleep apnea. So it's a big, big deal. Sleep is one of those pillars that deserves just as much um, interest as one's exercise and diet plan. Well, is it safe to say that while you're asleep, your body essentially that's when it, it's time essentially to fix itself. And so a lot of recovery that happens, whether it be from overexerting yourself physically or uh, just a rough time, maybe you had a rough day thinking or something like that. But sleep really is the time where your body goes into overdrive and fixes itself. Is, is that correct? 
That's exactly right. I mean, thinking the vernacular of equipment, if you drive a truck, it's it's a time that you spend in maintenance that really ensures the long time usage and quality of that equipment over time. You have to keep it maintained and, and functioning well, and certainly sleep is the uh, example of that in the human life. It's It's our way of maintaining and extending our life. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you say is that essentially it's not so much being asleep because what, what I think you mean when, when somebody has an event where they, their body wakes them up, that shot of adrenaline, that prevents them from going into deep sleep where their body can actually start the maintenance process. Is that a correct statement as well? That's, that's exactly right. It's like if you were pulling your vehicle into a shop and uh, the door of the shop kept closing where you couldn't go in. Uh, it's sort of the same idea. If your body can't enter into that restorative sleep, that deep REM sleep, then it really can't do the job that it's intended to do. And, and you begin to suffer from a health standpoint because of it. Yeah. So what do you typically see when you have somebody with undiagnosed sleep apnea that also has comorbid conditions like diabetes, obesity? What, what do you typically see that happens? Yeah, you know, when, when we see that, and, and again, a lot of it has to do with sometimes the lifestyle or the vocations that we work in, it definitely takes a toll on the individual. You see a lot of outcomes that affect not only the workplace, but also home life and quality of, of life at home. I mean, you'll see the person's mood change. They might otherwise be a, a very pleasant and kind person, but they, are, they will become short-tempered, easily provoked. Physical maladies begin to threaten them more in terms of being tired or sluggish, then that might lead to uh, injury or being clumsy or less dexterous. And behind the wheel of a, a vehicle is interesting. Oftentimes, attentiveness and awareness is one of the very first things that goes when you're super fatigued. And you then transform from a, like a proactive defensive driver to more reactive. And some of the very best, most professional operators of equipment that I've ever been privileged to work with become very reactive and not as professional. And that's usually one of the very first things they lose when that fatigue happens. They can't be as creative or resilient. And then certainly just learning and being able to capture information in your mind on what you need to do for the day is also a lot harder. I think you told me this and that with certain degrees of untreated sleep apnea, many times you can, you can have the same effect as essentially driving under the influence where you have the equivalent of a 0.08 blood alcohol level. Yes, absolutely. And there are several studies. Uh, and that's regardless of, again, the vocation. I mean, we certainly care about that for everyone. But for anybody that's in a safety-sensitive role where they're maybe operating some piece of equipment that could hurt other people, they're unable to successfully operate it, that becomes even more important. If a person who's an executive is sitting in an office and they doze off, Maybe not as much damage could occur as, say, someone operating a, a fuel tanker truck or a school bus. Um, you know, the, the emphasis, particularly in areas where safety-sensitive jobs exist, is needed because it's so vital. Well, and, and to round out the health side, obviously for sound mental function, I think that's obviously crucial. But as it pertains to, like, other health factors like diabetes and obesity, I'm sure you have many, many stories. But I've talked to several companies where the HRVP or the safety VP also has sleep apnea. And in talking with them, uh, their stories are pretty amazing in that once they get the right sleep, 
mean, they've lost 20, 30 pounds. And many times the ability to manage their diabetes is, has been complemented significantly. And it wasn't because they did anything different other than sleep better. That's exactly right. And it's interesting when you see people get treatment for conditions like sleep apnea and they go back for subsequent health evaluations, you'll see things getting cleared up very quickly. Like you mentioned, uh, being able to control one's diabetes. One of the ones that I see very commonly is hypertensive medications. Right. You'll see blood pressures improve and people's uh, medications either reduced or removed if they had a, had a milder case of hypertension. That's sometimes one of the very first things that clears up. And then their attitude and mental awareness and acuity. I, I can't overstress the importance of that because not only does that affect them in the workplace, but I hear the best stories from spouses. Uh, you'll talk to wives and husbands of drivers, and suddenly they've got a brand new husband or wife. You know, they're kinder and better and more engaged, and, and that means a lot. Now, that's another wellness benefit right there. So, yes. tell us, how does your program work? Yeah, so there's like four elements that you have to address when a person has OSA in order to kind of address the, the issue. Number one is, is getting them tested, right? Mm -hmm. And so today, a, a person may go get a DOT mandated physical, or perhaps they're just getting one on their own. And the doctor says, okay, based on factors in your life that are of concern, based on my training, I'm going to refer you for a test. Well, the test normally is, is a very laborious and expensive process. But what we do, by and large, is utilize uh, home sleep apnea testing equipment. And about 95% of the time, most people can take that test just fine. There are still cases where a doctor will want a regular in-lab test, which we also do. But being able to offer a home sleep test is so much better than what the typical experience is. I mean, imagine being able to wear a little device that's similar to a cell phone with a few little leads, uh, one to the nasal area, one to the tip of the finger, and that you can wear that at home and sleep in your own bed. And it gives you, by and large, the same data that you would normally get. So that's kind of the st first step, which also, we make easier, I think. Steve, yeah. in addition to that, I mean, if you're, whether you're an individual that stopped at the DOT exam with the potential for, you know, you basically have to get tested, or you're just an individual that, that isn't sure what you have, so your doctor sends you for a sleep test, many times yeah. you don't know where to go. That's exactly is, right. And, you, and from a cost perspective, the cost to go to uh, an, in, an outpatient center for a sleep test can be huge. And most people would, I think, would test better if you can do it wherever you normally sleep. So if you're in a long haul truck, you sleep in your truck. If you, come, if you are home every night, you do it at home. And so talk about that benefit as well as to why it's important. It's so crucial. Uh, and that's one of the very biggest pain points that we heard when we actually founded the company was the hassle. I mean, imagine if anybody listening to this today were referred for a sleep test, what are you gonna do? You probably pull out your insurance card. You'll mm -hmm. call the number on the back and hope you find someone that can get you to where you need to go. And it's gonna be a hassle, right? To get in to see someone, to get scheduled, et cetera. For our companies, you have one number and that's ours. And when you're referred, we call the driver directly and handle everything for them, which is really nice. We say, hey, where do you live? Okay, yep, we have a clinic right there what's your schedule look like tonight? When do you want to go in? Rather than when, when can you come in? When do you want to go in? And then being able to handle that for them to get set up with the home sleep test and get cared for during the night with the test if something goes awry. And then being able to have a professional board certified doctor read that result and give you good informative information on 
what the test result was and means, that means a lot. Uh, that's usually the biggest pain point that we hear that uh, people enjoy getting addressed with, with our service. Oh, yeah, it's speed to testing as well. Because, I mean, if you, if you go just to the medical community, many times you have to mm-hmm. wait weeks to get that test done. Where you guys, what is your commitment to your clients? Oh, my gosh, it's so quick. Uh, most of the time, the only holdup is from the client, him or herself. So right. say you had a driver uh, that called in on a Tuesday and said, hey, the sleep physician just referred me for a test. Many times we'll have the ability to get the test done that same day. But in most cases, it's the driver who will then say, well, no, I don't want to miss work. Can I get it on my way home Friday? And always the answer is absolutely, because we don't want to impact work and that person's ability to earn a living. So normally within just a few days, we always say three to five days is a good range, but we can do it less uh, depending more on the need of the individual versus our schedule. Because most all of our clinics have a lot of ability to see and take care of patients, particularly when it's a home sleep test, because they're only spending maybe an hour or less to hook that up versus having to keep someone in their clinic, you know, overnight. Yeah. And I, I just want to make up a couple of points of clarification. You guys will work in industries other than trucking. And I know we're, oh, talking, absolutely. we're talking a lot about mm-hmm. trucking because that's where you guys cut your teeth, but I want to, I'll make sure, want to make sure about that. And we'll talk about the important nuances of trucking as it pertains to chain of custody uh, versus every other industry that doesn't have a chain of custody requirement. And then I guess the second thing is as it pertains to the speed, you've addressed that, but but you mentioned clinics and I want to make sure that it's clear. You have a national network, if you will, of preferred sleep professionals. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, They're all over the country and having cut our teeth on some very large carriers throughout the U.S., we have them in all sorts of obvious places as well as obscure places in terms of where drivers go. And we always like to say that we we will find a clinic within a two-hour drive or less for an individual that needs to be set up. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. So, okay. Now, uh, so as we're progressing in our story, uh, somebody raises their hand and says they need to be tested. You're going to see them hopefully within a couple of days, but walk through what happens after you meet them and they're fitted with their device. What happens next? Absolutely. So they get the test, right? They go to one of our clinics. Many times they have truck parking, which is kind of cool for those who drive, but we make them very convenient in terms of the in and out uh, process. So the next morning they they come back and they have the test uh, downloaded. In some cases, they'll be negative. They'll be given that result. But in most cases, based on the screening criteria that the doctor probably used for sending them, they will be positive for the condition. And then while they're there, in that same visit, they don't have to come back a different time. And in that same visit, they'll be given the diagnosis and then say, look, we're going to go ahead and set you up on a treatment device that will uh, reverse the effects of sleep apnea. And, and what that device is, is a positive airway pressure device. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll heard that the, you know, they'll be called a CPAP, a continuous positive airway pressure device. We actually use one that's a little bit more advanced called an auto titrating positive airway pressure device or APAP. Stevens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the industry standard? Is it CPAP or APAP? You know, it's interesting. Insurance will typically throw a CPAP out. That's because it's cheaper and they can get you back annually to get the thing adjusted because it only runs on one set pressure based on one evening's sleep for that patient. 
And so it's not really as effective. Uh, the, the better standard is the APAP, which automatically adjusts. It, it'd almost be like buying a car that had one gear, right? A CPAP is like that versus the uh, automatic transmission car that adjusts to the needs of the road. That's what the APAP does for a patient. And so we feel like clinically, and all of our doctors that we use also support this idea that the APAP is the better standard to be used. And, and that's helpful in a variety of ways. Uh, one, because, you know, as we talked about healing, as somebody will, if, if and when they lose weight being treated, mm-hmm. the level of pressure that they need for their uh, proper sleep function changes. Is that correct? That's right. So this device basically kind of blows air or builds pressure in the mouth and the esophagus to keep the airway open for a patient who has occluded breathing. That's the, the concept, if you will. It's almost like an air or a pneumatic splint. It holds your airway open and provides the patient ability to breathe. And that basically goes against the effects of sleep apnea. And so that healing process, you're right. People over time do lose weight. Uh, we've even had patients who have made uh, health changes, uh, lost weight, exercise, and then gone back and gotten a negative diagnosis and got off therapy, which is awesome. We love that. We always say that our goal is to put ourselves out of business. We would love to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The APAP automatically changes so that they don't have to go back to the sleep position every year. Yeah. But, but I guess another point that, that I've heard, and I've heard you, te- you say this is if you have a machine that has to be adjusted or tri-traded, one, the process for doing that has to, it has to be manually adjusted. So talk about, this is going to be from a cost perspective and a wellness perspective. If it automatically tri-trades, that prevents certain visits from needing to, needing to happen in the future. Is that correct? That's right. Our goal is to get our patients taken care of in one visit, in one visit only, and then everything else being able to be done over the airways, which is uh, another kind of benefit of our devices is that we have wireless access to them. And so we have our respiratory therapists located at our headquarters actively monitor and help to uh, support the health needs of our patients. And so if there are any adjustments that need to be made or things that we see, like a leaky mask, for example, we can address those right away. And sometimes those adjustments uh, on pressure ranges, for example, can be made wirelessly as well. So our goal is to to keep you out of the doctor's office and in the vocation. You know, we want you to be at work taking care of your family, not going for some follow-up visit for a simple adjustment. Yeah, but also in that, from a, from a DOT perspective, that auto titration is it's crucial for avoiding future sleep studies, so long as you can show you're compliant. Is that correct? That is exactly right. And I tell you, the doctors, certified medical examiners that are familiar with our program, and a lot of them have become that way over the last 12 plus years, they love it because they know, okay, well, SleepSafe has those drivers. So, hey, they're good. I know I can get a compliance report anytime. I know they're watching and looking to make sure the drivers are okay. So, in other words, instead of maybe that doctor giving that patient a 90-day provisional medical card and making them come back to see them in 90 days, they might go ahead and give them a year knowing that we have their back in terms of making sure the driver or the patient has everything that they need. Okay. So, so as we're going along the, the trail, somebody contacted you. We've treated, well, we've made the diagnosis that they're positive for sleep apnea. They're given a machine with instructions on how to use it. What do you do for the first 30 to 60 days? 
to help that driver? You know, I, I tell you, one of the most important things I think that we offer is that personal touch. Um, many of our patients enjoy having a familiar voice that they can call and people that actually understand, I call it the language of truck, right? The, the language of, of the final end user, they understand the work and the challenges that that person has. And so they don't take for granted that they might have time to read a big instruction manual or that they want to just refer them to some link online if they, they need more help. We give them the help verbally over the phone and we make sure we give them all the best practices for cleaning or sleeping or whatever it is that to help them be successful. And we're there all the time. So we, we literally in this first, you know, 30 days, particularly, we might get a call from a individual every day sometimes, or maybe every other day. And we gladly field those calls and we're very patient and answer all the questions that they have. And I think that's why we have more of a higher compliance rate than what's typical in the industry. We have a 97% compliance rate, meaning 97% of our drivers at any given time are on their therapy the way they should be and getting benefit from it. Whereas without something like that, the statistic is around 51% of people stop using their device either altogether or properly after their initial setup. And that really comes back to bite you. Of course, along the way, you're not being treated, so you're still sick for the condition. But along the way, you might also you know, get sent back to the doctor to be recertified, and then you can't show that you've had therapy and you get disqualified. And, and yeah, just to, I guess to add on to that as well, you guys, uh, because there is uh, reporting that happens with your machines, I want you to talk a little bit about that, but, but yeah. you're able to watch activity and essentially reach out to folks if you can tell they're having problems based on their usage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. So these devices will upload to us every day. So about an hour after an individual takes the mask off to start their day, the device will upload data and our respiratory therapist can then see what that looks like. And we've been able to discover all sorts of things um, that were very helpful and needful for that patient. Uh, I'll give you a, a common example. We'll oftentimes instruct a person how to set a mask on their face. They'll either use like a full face that covers the nose and mouth, or they'll use nasal pillows, which just you know, push air through the nose. It's more of a preference, but sometimes it's not uncommon for a person to uh, maybe not pay attention to all those instructions and maybe they'll get a mask leak where the device can't fully provide the pressure that's needed because of that leak. And we have the ability to see that. So like the next morning, a therapist would see that and then they would reach out to the patient and just say, hey, I, I noticed you had a leak last night. How do you feel? And they will often say, well, not too good. How about run over that with me one more time on how to make that adjustment? Uh, so being able to discover issues is, is important. We've also found in, in a few cases other issues that would arise from the reporting where we actually refer the driver back to the doctor to be reevaluated. Uh, and in a case or two, there were issues discovered from a cardiovascular standpoint that the patient never knew anything about. And so it makes us feel good when we, we can kind of be on the lookout for things like that that help people not only live better and have a better quality, but also in a few cases, I believe we've helped save a few lives. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's more than a few. And, and so uh, transitioning, in, in terms of the overall member experience or the driver experience, have we covered most of the points? I think we have. Uh, you know, the other, other key area that I think is important 
is this whole idea of cost management. Because sometimes traditional healthcare plans, when you're on a device for treating sleep apnea, they will do what I call just sort of pump supplies at you, right? So every now and then you need to change out your mask, tubing, and filter. And uh, some of these uh, insurance-based programs will just automatically send stuff to people's house, whether they need it or not or want it or not in order to get billing opportunities against the company, right? And so one of the things I think that our customer really likes is that we'll actually reach out to the driver either quarterly or every six months, depending on how often our customer want us, wants us to do it. And we'll ask them, hey, how's your supplies holding up? What do you need right now? And we only try to send what they want, which actually helps to control the cost of supplies, but it also is appreciated by the driver because they don't, or the patient because they don't have extra supplies piling up that they may not need. Understood. So let's talk a little bit about the industries you serve. As we've talked about extensively, you guys have cut your teeth in trucking and there is a very specific requirement in order for you guys to effectively be able to treat. There is a chain of custody protocol. So talk a little bit about that, but then also for industries where it's not regulated, how do you make it easy for them to use you? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. And we, we've actually found many industries uh, along the intermodal way in terms of things that are, that are used out there. You know, you've got aviation, you've got maritime, rail. All those have varying types of physical requirements. Some are very light. Some are more extensive than truck driving. And then there are some jobs that don't require any physical at all. But I always say that fatigue's no respecter of job, right? It, it affects everyone. And, uh, yeah. And when you have the opportunity to offer that, it, it really works out well, regardless of job type. Yeah, and we're finding in, in the energy space, so offshore drilling, anything that requires extensive time at work, just based on the conditions that you're in, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an absolutely perfect match for, for that as well, because you tend to find a lot of sleep apnea in, in that space as well. Yeah, I believe you're right, Michael. And I think it's important to note here, too, that with our expertise and background, me having worked in the uh, transportation industry for so long, we actually find there are three key sources of fatigue. One of them is medical, the uh, you know obstructive sleep apnea that we talked about today. But there are also challenges that come from the work schedule and time off management. And part of what we provide along with our service, and it's free, they have access to all of our training and uh, ex- expertise on how to really set up a robust fatigue management program that's based on the North American fatigue management program. And uh, that gives all sorts of tips on not only managing health concerns, but also how to, you know, set up a a great uh, program in terms of scheduling and tips for time off management that help reduce risk for fatigue as well. Okay. So let's shift a little bit to the risk management and the employer perspective. How does this help risk management programs? in terms of managing their risk? Absolutely. So ultimately, I know in the DOT space, these these may vary from mode to mode in terms of transportation, but there's usually an emphasis on the employer being responsible for medical fitness for duty of their employees and safety for their employees. So I know, for example, in the trucking world, the 49 CFR 391-41 interpretation question one lays out a very clear pathway that the employer or the carrier is responsible for medical fitness for duty. So they have a mandate to make sure that everybody they have working for them is safe, particularly in those safety sensitive roles where they're operating equipment. 
So being able to give them visibility and help in that area is so vital. I, I remember when I managed Walmart, I had a lot of third party help for varying things that I did. And I liked that because I didn't always have the time or the in-depth expertise to handle certain elements of my compliance program. And I preferred to have good qualified partners to come alongside me and help me with that. Not only did I get a better product, but it also, when I had those cases where I had to defend my compliance program through maybe investigation or litigation, it was always nice to have someone else in the room with me for that deposition, Michael, you know, where you have that expert that can speak to their program and, and help to stand alongside you to defend it. And that's where I think we bring a lot of value as well. Absolutely. And are there any studies that you can point to that would show either a, re a reduction in workers' comp claims, accident claims, or just anything in general that would add additional credibility for why a, an employer would want to consider a, a full fatigue management program? Oh, absolutely. There are various sources uh, that I can point to. Many independent studies, like one by Sibertson, laid out a, a whole nationwide analysis of a program like this and the value of it. It's gotten the attention, interestingly enough, of a few key regulatory communities, Michael. One is the National Transportation Safety Board, NTSB. Mm -hmm. They often investigate a lot of big accidents, regardless of type of industry. And they regularly put out a uh, what's called the 10 most wanted list, the NTSB's 10 most wanted list. And for many years, since 1990, as a matter of fact, they've had one of their 10 most wanted to reduce fatigue-related crashes. Well, just this year, they included a second one. So they took up two spots of their 10 to talk about what we're talking about today. And the second one is to ensure medical fitness, specifically to have an OSA program that not only screens for, but ensures compliance for, test for uh, the condition after the test. So the NTSB has certainly looked at all the studies, but they, even more importantly, have looked at the outcomes of many crashes and see the value of proactively managing OSA. So I think you look to the NTSB for insight. Uh, certainly, studies by some individual universities uh, out in the industry have been important as well. And then there are many companies, both ones that have worked with us and ones that have worked with other entities that have programs that have seen great reductions. Uh, I know we did a study at J.B. Hunt in 2014 where we took a population of drivers and we, we took a uh, look at, you know, what it looked like for them the year before their treatment and then the year after. And we saw over 50% reduction in accidents, injuries, critical events like hard-breaking lane departure, and then over half savings in healthcare dollars. Because if you figure you treat OSA, not only are you directly, you're saving money on the testing and treatment itself, mm -hmm. but you also help to reduce the health consequences that come from untreated OSA, and that reflects in your medical costs. Your medical benefits costs go down. Uh, so it more than pays for itself, and uh, not only the outcomes from the test and the treatment, but also, you know, the outcomes in terms of safety and, and so forth. And I guess, too, when you look beyond just the academic studies, the real-life examples of some of these companies that have these programs and the regulatory community all point to the value of it. Wow, that's cool. So a couple of questions. How, how do you guys make money? Yeah, good question, right? We do it by basically the having some some profit built in on the, those four elements, right? So we have a little bit of profit built in on the test, a little bit on the device itself for those who are positive, 
and then uh, some on the supplies. And then for the compliance monitoring, we charge a basic low fee per driver per month for our services. So we, we make our money on, on that. But like I said, our ultimate goal, we, we do have a heavy ethical bent in uh, wanting to see a day where we're no longer needed. We don't know that that could ever happen, but if it did, we would be happy with that. But we make our money that way. Uh, and regardless of whether a person's positive or negative, the test itself, we still have a margin built in there. So we don't have any sort of insight or, or desire to see a person overly diagnosed. That's something that we, we tend to see, particularly in health type programs and sometimes with physicians that maybe aren't as ethical. They like to over diagnose. And we are very careful to make sure that all protocols are covered in our clinics. And whether it's a negative or positive result, we want the right result uh, for our patient. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm not sure if we covered this when we were talking about the member or patient experience, but in terms of the interpretation of the sleep study, you guys manage that as well, right? We sure do. So when that, um, that driver goes to get their test or that patient goes to get their test done, they only go with us. They only go to a board certified sleep specialist. There are some other competitors in the, in the marketplace that try to compete with us. And they'll do things like through the mail, you know, and, or have some person that maybe isn't board certified reading this result. We don't do that. We believe it has to be the best, most trained and qualified persons to do that. And that, that is all done in-house by us, by our physicians. Yeah. And the, and the only point I wanted to make is that that adds to the speed of, of resolution and the speed of treatment, and which goes to the, the emphasis of keeping drivers on the road. That's exactly right. They're not having to make multiple visits to different people. They get it all done in, in one shot. So is there anything in particular that you wanted to share with me or wanted to share with the listeners that, that we haven't asked? You know, I think the best thing that people can do when they are looking at putting a program like this in place is to do a little research online. You know, look at the North American Fatigue Management Program do a basic uh, Google search, you know, uh, fatigue-related crashes for, and then whatever the industry is that they work in, they'll, they'll see the examples there. But I think the best way to know whether what we do works or not is to have opportunity to speak with our clients. And all of them, it's so cool. All of the clients that we have have all said, hey, we believe so much in this program. You know, if you ever have anybody that wants to hear our side of the story, let us know. And that, that I think, speaks powerfully to what we do that actually makes a difference and the people that we work with will always say that. And I think the other piece of it that's important is the fact that we are people with a, a background working with people who do the work of, of America every day, whether it's working in the oil fields, flying planes, conducting trains, driving trucks, whatever it is. Our, our background is very blue collar and we approach our business in a way that I think speaks correctly to those folks when they call us. You know, they're not speaking to some medical person that doesn't have a clue of what they're doing or has no insight into what they do. You know, I think the caringness uh, that, you know, that comes through the phone or in person when our people meet with our patients is, is something that really sets us apart. Yes, I, I agree. Having, having customers together, I have to say you guys do a great job. And a couple of things. Uh, let's just say you have somebody that's listening to this that's very interested in hearing more, but they want to essentially give you their medical data to show 
what impact you could have and what the cost would be if they used you. Could you walk through what, what you can do and how you would go about answering that question for them? Man, absolutely. And I'll tell you, this is where a lot of the value of what we do uh, gets really codified from a dollars and cents standpoint. Very often we will have our you know, benefits department, we'll say to them, look, if you can provide to us your billing codes for sleep, and we have that list of HICPIC codes that we normally will suggest if they're unfamiliar with what those numbers are, and we'll take that download and we're able to provide them a reasonable estimate, a pretty close cost of what they're paying today. And this is a big deal. Uh, a lot of times when folks look at us initially, they think, well, this is a new cost. When in actuality, many companies, if you offer benefits to your employees, you're paying for services like this now. But the only thing is they're often hidden down in those same numbers, Michael. So by being able to pull that data out and showing some of these really high costs, like, you know, we've seen a in-lab sleep test, five, six, seven thousand bucks for a test that really we could do for, you know, less than 900 bucks for a home sleep test. It's amazing the amount of money you'll see that you're actually paying today. And being able to look at those numbers and then say, okay, if you don't pay this anymore and you just have your own direct program, it's going to cost you a lot less money and also be uh, more effective because you can actually confirm not only that the testing and treatment were given, but that, that it's been effective for your employees. Yeah, and you can also embed where for self-funded customers, uh, you can embed your service into that plan. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Oh, absolutely. And we love it when we're able to do that. For the self-paying customer, think of it this way. You do have a benefits provider, and it could be a variety of different providers, the Cygnos, the Blue Cross Blue Shields, et cetera. But you're essentially, at the end of the day, writing them a check, right? And they're basically trying to work through your claims and take care of them for you, and you're writing them a check. But being able to kind of embed our service in place of what's being done today, so instead of sending that check for, say, 5000 bucks for a in-lab test for Blue Cross to send someone to a hospital, you could send one to us for 900 for that driver to get or that patient to get the home sleep test directly with us. So running it through your benefits department and being able to manage it as part of the self-paying program, you'll, you'll save a lot of money. And again, you get insight right on down to the, the penny on what you're spending. And that's important because you're, you're then able to show a clear return on investment. You know, I'm putting in X amount of dollars into this program. And after looking at what we've done, we've seen this reduction in collisions, injuries, healthcare costs. And you can see the, the hard ROI that everybody needs to know if they're trying to justify a program like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, when it's embedded in the medical plan like that, you have a, a, a little bit more control and uh, in, in also the avoidance of what I would call gamesmanship and that you could yes. limit the plan to just go through you for trucking. Um, and if you were running alongside the plan, so let's just say you weren't integrated, there is an opportunity for gamesmanship where maybe they go to their, their um, medical doctor and that doctor sends them to a sleep lab well, they may not like the result, so they might come to you. And it's still going to be the same result at the end of the day, but then they've just, now they've just cost the plan and the employer, uh, instead of $5,000 or 900, they've cost them 6,000. So um, embedding it through the plan allows the plan sponsor to effectively get the person the care they need, direct traffic to the right place. It's going to be quicker. Um, and at the end of the day, less expensive in the long run. 
That's exactly right. And that results being able to offer the program to the individual where they're not paying out a lot of money uh, out of pocket either, which is really nice. And with costs in mind, the crucial point that I, that I don't think we addressed was that in that second year, when folks may have to be retested, with yours being auto tri-traded, many times you'll avoid that need to have that test uh, in future years, simply because you're able to demonstrate compliance and you're able to demonstrate that machine self-corrects. That's exactly right. And that's what's so cool about it. The machine won't deliver any therapy if the person no longer has the condition. And so we'll see this, one of the technical ways we measure is a a calculation called AHI or apnea hypotenia index. And say a person has eight, and that represents safe or simple figuring eight times per hour that they stop breathing or have occluded breathing. So their level is eight. Well, maybe over time they lose weight, get a little healthier, and now the machine reflects that it did not have to deliver any therapy to the patient during the night because they did not display an AHI. In other words, they didn't have any issues. So then we would therefore say, well, gosh, this this patient has corrected uh, the condition. And then we'll typically confirm that. And we've seen patients get off therapy. And it's it's a blessing. It's something that we actually celebrate with the patient when, when that can occur. Well, another question, Steve, is if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. Probably, depending on their, their day and how much time they have, they certainly send me an email, steveng at sleepsafe.com, or they can just call me or text me if you're busy. And I always, I'm traveling a lot, Michael, talking about what we do and meeting with different groups. So my cell phone is always best, and that number directly to me is area code 479-287-1654. And I'm happy to talk to anybody uh, that may have any questions or have any need for follow-up. Cool. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. We're talking to Stephen Garish, Senior Vice President of Safety and Regulatory Compliance for Sleep Safe Drivers. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of Solving Healthcare. If you like this episode, please rate it and also provide your comments. If you would like to know how this service or others could fit within your organization, or if you'd like to sign up for future podcasts and news updates, please go to www.solvinghealthcare.net and click on contact. Thank you.